Hello, and welcome to the Yarniax podcast. So this is our first podcast, and we're looking forward to introducing some regular topics, we hope, and here we go. Wait, let's try this again. Hello, and welcome to the Yarniax podcast. The inaugural episode? Wait, no, no, no. It's the 262nd episode. What year is it, Gail? Oh my gosh, it's 2022. It's our 10-year anniversary of podcasting. Happy anniversary. And we were going to kick this one off with a little bit of trivia. Has anyone wondered why it's always me who kicks off the podcast? Only our first inaugural episode was at you, Charlene, right? It was. And I can't remember why I did it. Because the reason that Gail usually speaks first is because when we first started recording, it was Gail's computer that we were using. So she was always the one that clicked the big red button. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So I always kicked it off and it was always my voice. So welcome to the Yarniax podcast. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And here we are 10 years later, still with no exit plan. But as <laughs> always for our anniversary episode, we have a little bit of a different twist on things today. We thought it would be fun to talk about some things from way back when and i'm the pointing way back behind when machine. me yes the <laughs> way back machine a decade ago so it's like a little time capsule of 2012 for our knitting yes yes we both went back and listened to our first episode and we looked at our we notes did. from our first several episodes i kind of looked at the whole year but focused on the first few episodes yeah. so did you find anything from way back that you're still wearing i did I did. The first one is the Rocky Coast Cardigan, which is a pattern by Hannah Fettig. And whatever happened to Hannah Fettig, I wonder? Yeah, she doesn't seem to design anymore. No, I never hear her name anymore. So that's that's one knitting mystery. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but the... Rocky Coast Cardigan. I keep stumbling over the name because I named my project the Foggy Coast Cardigan. Because uh, <laughs> it's so much more appropriate for us. Because it's much more appropriate for us in this fog zone here in the bay. But the Rocky Coast Cardigan was an open front sweater with an all-over twisted stitch kind of cable-y pattern. And it was raglan shaped, and the fronts, the fronts don't meet, and they don't. Well, obviously, if they don't meet, they don't overlap. It's it's very open front sweater. There's several inches depending on what size you make between the two edges in the front. I don't know what exactly you call that style. There should be a name of cardigan, just because not all open front cardigans do not meet. Correct. Some open front cardigans meet and some don't. So this is a non-meeting open <laughs> front cardigan. We're making our own name for it, even though it's rather long. We are. <laughs> and 
I recently found this when I was going through some reorganization of my sweaters. So obviously I still have it. I still really like this sweater. I do feel that over the past decade, the sweater style has held up. My color choice has held up as well as has the yarn. I used Malabrigo Rios in the Pearl 10 colorway, which is one of my Ooh, yeah. favorites from Malabrigo. Pearl 10 is a Depending on the dye lot, it's a gray, but with very purple overtones to it. Sometimes more purple, sometimes less purple. Mine happens to be a little more on the purple side, naturally. So <laughs> I really like this one a lot. And I love knitting with Malabrigo Rios, which is their worsted weight plied yarn, superwash plied yarn. It, it has held up amazingly well. Now this pattern, if I recall correctly, it had problems with the raglan numbers and there were many, many complaints from folks who had sleeves that were too tight. And I think she eventually redid the pattern with new raglan numbers so that the sleeves were a little bit bigger. But I even noticed in my notes that I said I picked a pattern based on the arm size because they were tiny little sleeves. Very tiny, I remember as well. <laughs> yeah, which is strange. So I'm hoping that the sleeves will still fit my arm. It's been a while since I've worn this sweater, but I just love this yarn, so... Hopefully, I'll be able to get it back into rotation again. That is the Rocky Coast Cardigan by Hannah Fedig. And a decade ago, there was another designer that you and I were knitting quite a few of her sweaters, and that is Wendy Bernard. Mm -hmm. And another one that I found when I was re re going through my sweaters was the Favorite Cardigan, which... It's also, it's another one that you and I both knit. And this one, I still have this sweater, but I do not wear it anymore. And when I had gone through my sweaters, I pulled it out with the intention to frog it. And I think I'm still going to do that. My intention was to use the yarn to make gift hats. Oh, good and idea. Yeah, and part of the problem with this sweater, the pattern was fine. Nothing was wrong with the pattern, but part of the problem was my yarn choice. The yarn was beautiful. I used, let's see, I don't remember. Oh, it was Dream and Color Classy. So the yarn held up amazingly well, actually, because I wore this one quite a bit. I do have, I noticed that there was pilling in the usual places, under the arms, on the sides of the sweater, that kind of thing. Nothing that would stop me from frogging it and reusing the yarn. But I chose an unusual color for me. It was a, a burnt orange or a brick. Would that be what you would call it? I think autumn, autumn orangey. Yeah, colors, yeah, yeah, and I knew that when I purchased it, that color was 
out of my normal color range. And that was part of my choice. I was choosing to try something out of my color range. And it, it sometimes, it, it often kept me from wearing the sweater. So I don't know if that's a successful strategy for me in the future anymore. I've kind of narrowed my range over the years because I've found that even though it's fun to be adventuresome sometimes, if I don't have a lot in my wardrobe that's going to match it, or if I just don't feel great in a color, then I'm not going to wear the sweater. So Same for lesson me. learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lesson learned. So that is Favorite Cardigan by Wendy Bernard. Oh, and an interesting aside about this sweater is that the designer said part of the problem with this pattern, not a problem with the pattern, a, po- a problem with the photographs. I guess when the photographer took the photos, the stylist or somebody pulled the sweater off the shoulders of the model and it was never intended to be an off-the-shoulder sweater. So she always kind of lamented that that wasn't the way it was intended to be worn. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. And then the third sweater that I pulled out from 2012 is the Traveling Sweater by A. Karen Alfke. And I do remember talking about this one on the podcast quite a bit because this one is an extremely large sweater. It's a long sweater. It has a huge shawl collar, huge shawl collar. The sweater itself is 2,100 yards for my size. So, you know, it's a It's it's a good bit of fabric. And it took me most of 2012. It was one of those long projects that I'd work a little bit, put it aside. I knit a lot of other things in 2012 while I was working on this sweater. The traveling sweater, as I mentioned, very big sweater. Um, Kind of on me, I made it tunic length. So tunic length. It's got all over ribbing and it has this big rounded fold over collar. There was a a bunch of sweaters that were kind of made out of circles. Yeah, circles. And this one kind of is reminiscent of that style that was big back then, but it's not made in the same way. This one, if I recall correctly, you knit kind of around and around. It it has a different construction. I can't remember what those circle sweaters are called. They had a knit swirl book that was popular that about the swirl, 2012. Yes. Yeah, that were called yes. circle sweaters. Yeah, yeah. So this one, similar to it, I think the style has held up very, very well. I really love this sweater. I don't think I'll ever give this one up because it's just very classic in its shaping and the way it fits and the way that I can just pull it on over anything because it's so big. (laughs) And this one I knit in a gray. So the color is great. It's fabulous. I love it. So those were the three sweaters I picked from 2012. How about you, Gail? 
What were you knitting back in 2012? At first, I want to say I remember you knitting each and every one of those sweaters. I could have told you what yarn you used. And <laughs> not, I wouldn't have known That's the colorway awesome. names, but I knew what colors they were. I definitely have those in my memory banks for Charlene's yeah. knitting. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. fun. <laughs> yes, it is. So the first one I'm going to reminisce about I talked about in episode two of the Yarniacs, and it's the Emilienne sweater by Ariane Caron Lacoste, and I knit that for Mike. I started swatching it for episode two. I was knitting it by episode three, and the reason I'm going to feature it here is because he still wears it every single day. So this is a pretty classic sweater. It was modeled by a man, but could be for anyone. And it has a hood and it has pockets. And he wanted cables in the front. I think the original sweater was striped. He didn't want striped, but he wanted cables in the front. So I pulled out a stitch dictionary and figured out how to do cables. And he basically now wears it as a bathrobe. So it was knit in a superwash yarn Madeline Tosh and it stretches incredibly so we'll wash it every once in a while and it just grows so by the time I wash it it's kind of down to his knees and the fact that he still wears it every single day makes it a winner so that's awesome yeah Emilien that was a big winner that I talked about a lot in our first year because it took me a long time to finish it yeah it did I remember that was a good one and then (laughs) In episode three, I started stocking a sweater called Aranya by Anne Weaver. And this one is still in rotation now. It's a colorwork top-down sweater that I steaked and added a zipper to. And I added a zipper to Emilienne as well, but that one was not steaked. But Aranya was a big... It was a big project for me. I, th- I don't think it was my first colorwork sweater by any stretch, but... It's fairly complicated color work. There's a Latvian braid with two colors. There was a lot going on in the sweater. I used Madeline Tosh for that as well. I'm 99% sure the main color is coquette and the other colors are grays. I'm pretty darn sure. It's right here, but I just didn't write the colorway name on the sweater. So I'm guessing about the colors, but... I think you're right about the coquette. I'm pretty darn sure I'm right, yeah. (laughs) So that one, also the style has held up well over time. It's just a standard open front zip up cardigan. And the color work kind of gives it a mock turtleneck that almost kind of folds over if you zip it up all the way. And I really enjoy wearing it. It's a little snugger on me now than it was 10 years ago, but it was meant to be a positive E sweater. It wasn't a form-fitting sweater, so I can still wear it today, which is fantastic. So that's Oranya by Ann Weaver. And some of the others that I talked about a lot during our first year are timely because I took a week off the first week of February. I'm sorry, first week of January. We're not in February yet. And one of my goals during that vacation was to frog some sweaters. And coincidentally, almost every sweater I frogged was discussed and knit during the first year of our podcast. How weird is that? You know, 
I have found when I am ready to give up sweaters seems to be about that 10-year mark. Oh, you said that recently, that there's like a 10-year... Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. It's 10 years ago. So over the last couple of weeks, I have frogged my 5200K. Charlene and I both knit that sweater designed by Suvi Samola. And Charlene and I both ripped that sweater back to the underarms and re-knit it closer to a confetti pattern than the original asymmetric hemmed 5200 sweater. So you're... Yeah. Yeah. I still don't like it as much. See, I decided the significance of the sweater is that year, 2012, we went to Stitches Mm -hmm. and we met Kim and Heather from Western Sky Knits. That's the year we met them. And this yarn I used to knit that sweater was the first ever yarn I bought from Western Sky Knits. So So you can't just give the sweater away. away. (laughs) Exactly. I had to rip that sweater out and repurpose the yarn because it's my first ever Western Sky Knits yarn. Yeah. So that's why that one I went. It was not a trivial task to rip back most of these sweaters. Some of them I had alternated skeins. There was a lot going Mm. on in a lot of them. So the ripping back I thought would be really easy. Not so much. So that's the first one, 5200K. The second one was Corazon, which is a design by Julia Trice. And that was a form-fitting sweater, which I wasn't wearing because I didn't feel good in it anymore. And that yarn was a Madeline Tosh colorway called Neon Rose, which she does. They don't dye oh, anymore. And I it's, remember that. Yeah, it's similar to Pop Rocks, but where Pop Rocks is either cool or warm, Neon Rose was the opposite of that. Yeah. So that's why I ripped that one, because I wanted that yarn. I also ripped both of my cowl neck vests, which I think you knit one that year as well. I did. Yeah, patterned by Cecily Glauick McDonald, which I did love, but I wasn't wearing them. The style just didn't hold up for me, and they also were form-fitting, so they just weren't very flattering anymore. And I knit both of those with my Madeline Tosh Aran yarn, which is no longer being dyed by Madeline Tosh. So I wanted to reclaim that yarn. Yeah, definitely worth saving it and reusing it. Exactly. So those four sweaters that I ripped back just two weeks ago were from our very first year of podcasting. So I thought that was an interesting. Wow. Yeah, interesting. And the other one that you and I both knit that first year was Laika by Yasolda oh, Teague. Yes. And I just gifted that sweater to Max's best friend last summer. So nice. Yeah. So all of those that were very significant that first year of our podcasting are still around in one way or another. So pretty cool. Yes. (laughs) Pretty cool. You know, the other thing that I had to laugh about that first episode, you talked about knitting the beekeepers quilt. And I said I had knit a couple of the hexagon puffs, and then neither of I ever knit any more of it. (laughs) Did we? Neither of us us did. We both abandoned it. (laughs) I I decided I didn't necessarily like the puffiness for a blanket. I probably could have continued on and made them without stuffing them because I think it would make a nice blanket, even flat, just having the hexi puff shape without them being stuffed. That's a good idea. But, yeah. But my cats enjoyed the little playing with the little hexi puffs too. Those were those are good cat toys. Someday <laughs> I'm going to send the one that I did finish to Claudia if she's gonna continue on her 
version of it. But I was yeah. also worried, what would happen if you were to wash that quilt or that blanket? That was kind of always in the back of my mind is, yeah. would it ever I be guess as if cute? You use, maybe, maybe not. I guess if you use that polyfiber fill, it should spring back, but you never know. Yeah. But that was yeah. just kind of funny that that was one of the first things we talked yes. about. And we never knit on it again. I know. <laughs> and we don't do I that know. very often. So that was sad abandoned projects. In, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> so what else were we knitting 10 years ago? And by we, I mean the knitting community as a whole. And to answer this question, we turned to Ravelry. And we got a little help from the powers that be to help us figure out what were the patterns with the most projects in 2012 and what patterns had the most favorites in 2012. And topping the list, topping both lists actually, was a shawl by Vera Valamaki called Color Affection. Now, if you were knitting 10 years ago, you probably heard of Color Affection. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and yet neither of us ever made that. Nope. <laughs> well, back then we, we weren't really knitting three skein shawls back then, and that's a three skein shawl. Yeah. So I think you and I both were like, what? Why would we ever do that? And now look at us. Yeah, well, I do remember that one was huge size-wise yep. in a way that is not necessarily my favorite direction for shawls to be. And I mean wide. This one was very, very wide instead of tall. And I think I prefer mine to be a little bit taller and not quite so wide. Because this one was really, really I wide. I remember because Carol <laughs> knit it, right? And yeah. Because you could wrap it. I remember like three times seeing people wrap it around themselves. It it was very big. Very beautiful. but Very, very pretty. Big. And it was fun because it was a three color shawl. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of in the beginning of those schlanket multicolor shawls like that. It seems like yeah. that kind of kicked that off. I may be misremembering that, but I remember that being one of the first that crossed my radar anyway. So I wasn't surprised yeah. to see that on the top of the list. And another pattern that we talked about very early in 2012 that is on the most projects list is the Honey Cow, which is a pattern by Antonio Antonia Shankland. And the Honey Cow is a pattern for a very basic cowl with a slip stitch pattern. And you have the option of making a single loop or a double loop. I think it's either DK weight or worsted weight. DK, I think. And DK, yeah. yeah. And it uses one skein of DK about 225 yards to two skeins, I, I believe, for the double loop. And it was one of those kind of viral patterns because you could knit it and take it with you with pretty much without a pattern. Once you memorize the, I think it was just a two row 
two or four row pattern. Once you had that down, you could knit this anywhere, which was the reason why I enjoyed knitting it. And I made many versions of it. And I made many gifts of that pattern as well. Well, in the very first episode, you were knitting one as a gift for someone and it was your fourth. And I think you even yeah. did more after that. So yeah, yeah, I did. Episode I number did. one had the honey cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and from the list of most favorites, I know Beekeeper's Quilt was on it, which we talked about, like I said, in our very first episode. And I know you and I also knit several of the other projects on there. There's Susie Rogers Reading Mitts by Susie Rogers, which mm-hmm. you and I both have knit at least once. I know I knit those yes. at least twice. It's a really great pattern. And I think it's still available for free on Ravelry. It's still a great mitt pattern. Yeah, yeah. And there's A Day by Cerulea Rose, which I knit. And oh, I really liked that sweater. It's a beautiful open front cabled yeah. tunic length sort of sweater. It's beautiful. Do Very you still pretty. have yours? I do not because the yarn I used was, I want to say it was a little bit scratchy. I don't remember. And oh. back then I wasn't wearing the open fronts because it doesn't meet in the yeah. middle. So I gifted yeah. that because I wasn't yeah. wearing it. And it was such a beautiful sweater. And Vitamin D by Heidi Kiermeyer. We both oh, knit vitamin, vitamin D. D. That's another great pattern. And there were also some smaller projects, Sarchi's Booties. I know that I knit yes, those. And you knit the too. Owl Sweater by Kate Davies was on the list. I did. I love the Owl Sweater. So the Owl Sweater was a pattern that had owls created out of twisted and cabled stitches around the yoke. And if I recall correctly, I think the pattern had been written bottom up and it was one of those, I was unsure of my yarn situation. So I reversed it and knit it top down so that I could make it, so I could maximize my yarn and it worked. (laughs) Of course it did. You're brilliant with stuff like that. (laughs) And let's see, I think another one, that we well no I don't know I don't know if you knit did you knit a citron I did yes you did okay so that's another pattern this one is by Hillary Smith Callis citron is a semi-circular shawl that has little gathers almost ruching so you knit a section of stockinette then there's a little section that looks ruched and then there's a section of stockinette and then there's a section that looks ruched I really liked the look of this didn't like knitting it so much there was some kind of weird something about the stitches that I didn't enjoy knitting although it was I liked the shape of the shawl and it was a really useful shawl. And in fact, I remember I had made my first one out of, it was a lace yarn. Oh, it was Malabrigo lace, which felted. Yeah. It it really, really felted. I remember. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to get rid of this because it is so felted. 
And my mom loved it so much. She said, I don't care that it's felted. I'm going to wear it. And she continued to wear it even after I had stopped wearing it. So that one skein of Malabrigo lace got a lot of life. (laughs) Oh, and then her... Hermione's everyday socks. Did you also knit yes, that? Yes, I did. That's one I of did the too. socks that I've actually knit, and I really enjoyed the pattern. Yeah. Quite a few of the top 40. So there were 20, I think they sent you, that were the most projects of the year, and 20 that, that were most favorites. And there are some others that we've knit in there, too. The Turn a Square Hat by Jared Flood, which you just recently, mm-hmm. last year, knit and ended up ripping it because... It turned out too big. Oh, I think. was that the turn of square? Hat? I think so. See, I don't, I don't remember that. I think but so. <laughs> it could be. It could be. And the baby surprise jacket was on the list. We just talked about that recently when we talked yeah. about Elizabeth Zimmerman. Yeah. I knit the aviatrix hat, which is a very cute little baby hat. So it was interesting, like a little blast from the past to go through this list. Yeah, and then this is an interesting twist on patterns from 2012 what patterns from 2012 are we still knitting a decade later in 2022 now that list kind of changes a little bit every day i've been looking at this list over the course of the past week but the one pattern that has remained constantly at the top of the list has been Boxy by Hohi Locatelli. Now, the Boxy sweater pattern is one that Gail and I have both knit almost, well, I should say many, many knitters have also knit this one too. It is a very oversized boxy-shaped sweater. So the body is very, very large, rectangular-shaped, very, very drapey, and then it has very thin little sleeves, which kind of offsets the very large body shape. And it's one of those shapes that looks good on many, many people, surprisingly enough. Mm -hmm. I remember many folks, boxy sweater gal. (laughs) (laughs) Not naming names, Robbie. Not naming names, who thought this pattern would not look good on them. And look where they are today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. I'm trying not to laugh. Yes. Yeah. And I still love my boxies. I have made, have I, I've made a couple. And Gail has made a couple. Yes, I have. And it's just one of those shapes that works. Yep. I'm very fond of it. And now there are so many versions of Boxy. So her original are, debuted yes. in 2012. And since then, there have been DK versions and worsted versions and versions with buttons and versions that are cardigans and lots of different versions. V-neck so, yep. versions, mm-hmm. a child's version. Yeah, it's it's become a standard yeah, <laughs> or a classic, I guess you could say. Exactly. So, and Hohe featured in our first year of podcasting, our second year of podcasting, our third <laughs> we are still knitting a lot of Hohe patterns, and I still wear all of my Hohe sweaters. Yeah, it's probably safe to say that 
over the 10 years of podcasting, we probably both have knit something from Hohi Locatelli in every year mm-hmm. of podcasting. I, I feel pretty safe in saying yeah, that. <laughs> pretty confident that I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah. And then two other patterns that also figure high up on the list of what was published in 2012 that folks are still knitting also by Hohe are the lemongrass pullover and the dragonflies jumper. So those are both pullover sweaters. Lemongrass is a heavier gauge sweater and dragonflies jumper is a patterned worsted weight sweater. Now I made dragonflies jumper and Gail, I believe you made lemongrass, didn't you? I made both, but lemongrass was not a winner. You did. Yeah. For my body style, it just never looked good. So that's Mm -hmm. also in Madeline Tosh Aaron yarn. So Mm. I someday will rip that sweater because it's a beautiful blue color that I definitely will reuse for something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But my dragonflies is still in rotation just like yours is. Yeah. I really love that sweater. Yep. And funny enough, our very first episode, some other flashback things that I just have to mention, it cracked me up that fantasy knitting, we called it the fantasy knitting life or something like that. But we have consistently referred to fantasy knitting throughout the decade, and I'm sure we will continue to do so forever. And we talked about how we were knitting hats for charity and looking for hat projects to use up our scraps. And that has been very consistent throughout the 10 years. We're always talking about scrappy patterns. And we wrapped up 2021 with talking about using your scraps and your mini skeins and things (laughs) like that. Some things just never change over the years. Knitting life. (laughs) Exactly. We're still huge fans of Western Sky Knits, which, like I said, we discovered them like our third episode ever. We're still big fans of Lolo Body Care. We talked about them in our fifth podcast. And Hohi Locatelli, we talked about her in our third podcast. So I thought it was pretty cool that in lots of ways, we haven't changed much in the last 10 years. Yeah, I have to say one of the first comments I made to Gail when I told her, oh, I listened to the first episode. I was really surprised how much we sound exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) Although I noticed one thing that I did twice in that first episode, which I have a really bad habit of doing sometimes only when we record our podcast. I never do this in any other conversational aspect of my life I refer to myself by my name and I found that so annoying and I know I do it every once in a while when we're recording and I never do that unless we're recording Hmm. so I'm going to work real hard to never do that again because it's really annoying (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just it's just a clarity thing you're trying to be clear Mm, so I don't know it was annoying (laughs) no matter why I was doing it (laughs) oh Since this anniversary episode is kind of a time capsule of 2012, we wanted to take a look at some of the other fun things we were doing a decade ago. So what was I reading in 2012? I found a few things that I remember, still remember from 2012. Number one, Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. That was one of my favorite reads. Gone Girl was a big one that many of us probably read back 
starting back in 2012. Defending Jacob was another one that came out in 2012. I loved that. Yeah. I've reread that. Yeah, that was a good one. Shadow of Night, which was the second book in the Discovery of Witches series. I read that. And then a nonfiction book, which was very good, was Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. That was from 2012. I still need to read that book. I haven't read that yet. It was really good. Really good. What were you reading in 2012? I had Gone Girl on my list as well. And Cinder, which is a book by Marissa Myers, which is kind of a fantasy retelling of different fairy tales. And she is a great author. I recently recommended her during one of our Zooms, and Tess read one of her books and really enjoyed it. So she does like a fantasy tech retelling of different books, and Cinder was about Cinderella. So that was the first in a trilogy, I think, and she has since done... I don't know, probably at least eight different books that are all really good. I also really liked the book The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. And I did a little homework to see what were the top books of the year. And the book National Book Award winner that year was Roundhouse by Louise Erdick. And I actually have had that on my to-read list in Goodreads for a long time, and I've read some other of her books, which are all really good. Yes. And Gone Girl was one of the top books for Goodreads. They do their annual reader's yes. choice. Gone Girl was one of the tops, and uh, so was The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, cool. So I thought, like, wow, we aren't alone in our favorites. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> what about TV shit? Yeah. What were we watching back in 2012? So. Game of Thrones. We were watching Game of Thrones. Can you believe that? It seems crazy it was that long ago. Breaking Bad was also popular. Mad Men. Adventure Time cartoon series. And then two that I particularly liked. Call the Midwife. Mm -hmm. And Downton Abbey. A little thing called Downton Abbey, which became so explosively popular. (laughs) Well, that and Game of Thrones, how many colorways were based on those shows? I mean, holy smoke. And also, Scandal was one of the top shows, which I didn't get into that as much, but I know a lot of people really loved that show and Carrie Washington. She's so beautiful. And there was a show called House of Lies that debuted in 2012 that I loved. Don Cheadle was the star. Definitely not a family-friendly show. (laughs) Lots of swearing in that show, but I really loved it. I thought the acting in that was fabulous. And 30 Rock was also on a lot of lists for that year. Another show I didn't watch, but that was really, really popular. Mm -hmm. And what about movies? I'm not really a movie person. I know you're not so much a movie person either, huh? Yeah. So just in general, I don't watch a ton of movies. I'm more TV than movies. But I did look up what the top movies of the year were that year. And the tops were The Artist, Hugo, and The Help. And I did see The Help. I read the book and saw that movie, and that was excellent. Yeah, and I read the book and saw the movie of that and Hugo, if I recall correctly. The Hugo book was a really good book. 
I need to read that. I didn't even realize it was a movie. <laughs> no, think. it's a that's how bad it's I a am really amazing movies. book because there's so many drawings in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I shouldn't do that as an ebook, probably. No, I would get the real book for real that book? one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there were two also funny movies that I have to comment on. Bridesmaids was mentioned more than once as a top movie of the year, which I did watch that. Alex forced me to watch it with her <laughs> once, and there were some funny moments. And Blue Lagoon, The Awakening oh. was in 2012. I didn't look up what year the original Blue Lagoon was recorded in, but I thought that was pretty funny. I know I was around for the original Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields. I do remember that I believe the Blue Lagoon is in Iceland. And I do remember that it caused a bunch of unwanted tourism, if I recall correctly. Oh, for a real live Blue Lagoon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what about music? 2012 had some really, really good songs. So I looked up the Billboard Top 100, and the very first song was Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier and Kimbra. I loved that song. Oh. It still comes on the radio every once in a while. And number two, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, wow. Now I will have that song stuck in my head <laughs> all day long. <laughs> and there were some other really good ones, too. That Rihanna was on the charts, and Florida was on the charts, and Adele was on the charts. Oh, we've got the party anthem by LMFAO. Oh, 10 years. That was, wow. that was on the yeah. top 50. I know, party rock anthem. Yeah. Pretty funny. It was funny to look back at the top songs from the year and, you know, get the good old earworms. Yeah. Because then you start singing <laughs> them. And, and yeah, then... And, uh, seriously... Call me, maybe. It's going to be in my head all day long. And then technology. I thought this was interesting to look back and see what were we browsing the web on back in 2012. And in terms of phones, it was the year of the iPhone 5. And <laughs> I have to be honest, back in 2012, I didn't have an iPhone. So I wasn't browsing the web on my phone. I was still using my computer at that point. And in terms of computer use, Google had just released Google Drive. So if you ever, oh yeah, if you ever host files there or share files, Google Drive. We use that at work all the yeah, time. Yeah, 10 years ago. Yep. Wow. And then Apple had just released OS X Mountain Lion. I don't know which version we're on now. I think we're on, oh, I can't Big remember Sur. what it's called. Is it Big Sur? I know that we went through Catalina and yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm on Big Sur, <laughs> but I'm probably an OS behind because my company doesn't like us to upgrade right away. Yeah. So there's probably something beyond Big Sur and I'm behind yeah. the times. And then Apple also introduced the Lightning Connector back in 2012. So, oh, really? Yeah, so perhaps the iPhone 5 was the first iPhone that had that. Before that, it was the much wider old connector. I think it was a 30-pin 30, 30 connector. And then if you use Microsoft Windows, 
you were browsing on Windows 8. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. So, so much for a decade of technology. I'm happy that things have improved. I think that was the year I was literally transitioning from using a PC to my Mac because when I was hired as an employee, they gave me a Mac. I was like, yes, finally a Macintosh. (laughs) And I still have the very same MacBook Air and it is so slow now. It still works though. I still love it. Yeah, you can still do many basic functions with an old computer, so... Yeah, and I don't have to jump through hoops to make a printer work yeah. or to, you know, load new software. Oh, my husband's always fighting with his PC, it uh, seems like. So. Yeah. So that was our little time capsule. Time capsule of 2012. Yeah. And we hope for this thread in the Ravelry group that you'll share with us some of your favorite moments from the Yarniacs podcast. Tell us if there are episodes that we should go back and listen to (laughs) that might be some of your favorites because neither Charlene nor I have listened to any of our back episodes except for episode number one, which we just did this last week. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have just started listening since episode one in the last year or two. So some of you will still have all of those episodes fresh in your mind. Yeah, we heard from a lot of folks that have been listening through the back catalog during the pandemic because they've been at home, because they've just discovered the podcast, perhaps. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for being with us through all these 10 years. We really appreciate it. No matter what year you started, if yes. you listen to 10 years worth of our podcast, yes. wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> and if you have a pattern or a project from a decade ago or close to a decade ago that you have discovered or that you still love, share it in the thread because we'd love to hear about it. And you can discuss it in our group on Ravelry. We have a Facebook post as well for this episode. You can comment or discuss in either of those places and as we're fond of saying every anniversary podcast episode we still don't have an exit plan (laughs) we don't still don't (laughs) and we're very happy about that this podcast brings us so much joy all of you who comment any of the social platforms all of you who join us on the saturday zoom calls which I have no intention of ever stopping until people stop showing up because it's such a highlight of the week for both of us. So everywhere we see you and interact with you, thank you very, very much. Yes, I remember when we started podcasting, we made a somewhat short list of topics and we thought, well, we'll see how far this gets us. And when we run out of topics, and here we are, and I've said it before, <laughs> we still haven't really run out of topics. We still managed to come up with things to discuss. There we go. There's always more knitting. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. Happy knitting. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Happy knitting. Bye bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs Podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac 
and at Gailey Whaley.